podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello everyone and welcome back to Rival Recon here on Anfield Index Pro. I'm Harry Sethi. After a humbling 4-1 defeat to Manchester City on Saturday, this beleaguered-looking Liverpool side have no time to rest and lick their wounds as they head to Stamford Bridge on Tuesday evening to take on Chelsea. A 2-0 home defeat to Aston Villa that left Chelsea languishing in 11th place proved to be Graham Potter's final game in charge, with Todd Burley deciding to add to his chaotic approach to running a Premier League football club this season by sacking a manager he'd handed a five-and-a-half-year deal to just a matter of months ago. Joining me on the pod to discuss how Potter had attempted to turn things around at Chelsea, the main problems behind their struggles this season, and just what to expect on Tuesday evening, we welcome back Parth Gupta from the Chelsea Spot podcast. And just a note before we begin, this podcast was recorded just a few hours before Potter was sacked late on Sunday evening, which will become obvious from our discussion together. Welcome back, Parth. Thank you very much for having me on. Yeah, we were doing this on the weekend, uh, a day after... Uh, Liverpool lost, um, what, let, let, let me just check. Was it 4-1? 4-1, yeah. Against Manchester City, uh, yesterday, um, despite taking the lead. Uh, and obviously Chelsea, uh, lost 2-0 at home to, to Aston Villa as well. So before we started, before we hit record anyway, we both said that we're thrilled by the prospect of having a chance to watch our teams play football again. <laughs> just a matter of days. Uh, and it's, it's a weird one because actually the, the reverse fixture, Felt similar to that, not quite as progressed as it is at this stage of the season, but felt like two teams again that were just pretty terrified to lose that game and sort of transpired that way in terms of sort of the goalless draw that it ended up being. I just wanted to ask you, I mean, at this stage of the season, obviously, um, we'll come to talk about more of the details of it, but, you know, Chelsea sitting in 11th place, uh, we played 28 games on 38 points. Uh, and it's, I think it's now the 10th league defeat of the season after that Villa, Villa loss. And I'm, I'm reading here that the most Chelsea have ever lost in a single campaign is, is 12. Um, I just wanted to sort of gauge where, where you think things are at currently. I remember when we last spoke, you spoke about like, the, the club sticking with Potter, but it looks as though, um, patience, I'm sure, is sort of wearing thin. Yeah. Um, it certainly does look like the pressure is really mounting up on him now. Um, it's, yeah, we're in a, well, I know it's always interesting when Chelsea lose a couple of games and we were at the time. And as you said, it was about sticking with Potter, but we've stuck with Potter. And a couple of months later, we're in a, having a similar conversation, if not being in a worse position. Um, so it's been messy. We, we are in a messy place right now. That I think the club are gonna try to back him again for the next couple of games. Sort of see is there a change 
in sort of results because once again it's not like the performance was awful like the the the, the key difference is if you look at the last few seasons when sort of it's gone wrong on Chelsea managers it's players giving up and I think that's the main thing um, if you've watched our recent games I don't think it's been the fact that the players have given up um, it's just been small things which have just sort of not gone our way or some really poor decisions by Potter, some poor individual decisions as well. And it's all just led to results not going our way, despite performances, you know, like mm. like the stats showing that we're actually doing okay. Okay, we're not doing amazingly, but we're doing all right. Um, so I think in that sense, they're going to back him for a few more and see if he, if he can get a few results back. Yeah, no, the situation you're describing there is of that situation where confidence is so fragile that things not going your way in a particular game, the, the bounce of a ball, mm. uh, a decision not going your way, for example, VAR coming in, cancelling out a goal, or like a, a manager making a substitution mistake, um, sort of all those things have twice, three times the impact it feels like. And, mm. I think obviously one of the big things that lots of people have, t- have focused in on is the fact that yeah, Potter's in the, uh, Potter's at the helm, but he's trying to do a job where it's integrating a well, not not all of them, but there's a large group of players that ha- are having to be integrated into the side. Uh, and I, I think one thing I, I want to ask you about is uh, since we last spoke, anyway, are, are you any clearer on sort of, or do you think Potter's any clearer on uh, his preferred eleven? And um, sort of the the coherent sort of philosophy or approach he wants to employ. That's a good question because I think the answer is no, and I think when you say no, you start to worry. But there there are two sides to it. I think the first thing is he's got a squad of thirty plus, um, and that's I don't think that's I don't even think that's including the likes of like Lewis Hall, for example, and Datro Fafana, who have pretty much been put in the under twenty ones now. Um, but he's got a hefty squad, so to to put out sort of the same lineup week in week out is going to be very very difficult for him, and he's going to leave well twenty unhappy players, let alone the ones who have made the bench. Um, sort of like ten of going to be missing from the squad on the match day. Um, so in that sense, it's it's like it's going to be difficult for him, but he hasn't helped himself as well. If you look at yesterday's lineup against Villa, there is like there is no reason for you to be starting Reese James at right centre back and Loftus Cheek at right wing back when you have Trevor Chalobah on the bench. Like just put Trevor at right centre back and put Reese at right wing back. There isn't much justification for starting Cucurella over Badia Now I know Cucurella had a good game against Dortmund and things like that. He's looked okay but Badia has been very good for us had a very good international break with the France under-21s, and I imagine he'll be back now in the team for the Liverpool game. Um, and then, and then, well, and then there's the whole thing with the front three of, at the moment, he's going to pretty much play Jao Felix and Kai Havertz, and it's that third spot. I personally would have started Madueke, Noni Madueke, especially, again, after the impressive sort of international break he had with the England under-21s, but he opted for Mudrick, who, if anyone watches him, can just tell he's lacking a bit of confidence at the moment. He's still very raw. He's getting used to the Premier League. So in that sense, I don't feel 
sorry for Potter sort of in the front three like he's got a dilemma there he's got a dilemma of having to choose 11 from 30 every week and that's not going to be easy but there are some things especially with the defense and I'm soon going to be on his case if he doesn't start Mendy over Kepa um as Mendy returns to fitness so that's something to keep an eye on as well so I think there's two sides to it are you that person who has everything the coolest merch and those must-have fan threads. Well, over at our Anfield Index shop, we've gone that extra mile when it comes to pimping up your Liverpool collection. From our popular range of bespoke design T-shirts, sweaters, hoodies and hats, to our signature edition mugs, prints and coasters, all provided with fast worldwide shipping. We have something for every red. We also stock official LFC merchandise and are licensed with the Premier League and UEFA to sell official iron-on shirt badges and sleeve patches. As a listener to this podcast, you can get 10% off everything with coupon code AIPRO10. Just head over to anfieldindex.shop or find us on Etsy by searching for Anfield Index. And in terms of, I mean, you mentioned there that the performances, whilst they not been great, they've they've not been performances that you'd associate with players completely sort of abandoning ship and things like that. I mean, one one thing I've noticed about the Liverpool players this season, uh, and I think one thing that's definitely been sort of a similarity between Chelsea and and Liverpool for different reasons is, I mean, I, I, I've gone to this stage in the season and I've no real idea um, what Klopp's plan was this season to try and integrate the players in which were signed uh, and make up for the, um, or sort of compromise for the areas where the squad is lacking. And it's there's been periods of the season where Liverpool have stumbled onto a tactical setup or approach that looks actually like it could work with the parts that they have this season. Uh, they've done well and then they have abandoned it a couple of games later and tried something completely different that hasn't mm. worked before and then are seemingly surprised when when it doesn't work and that's obviously something that would be really frustrating for fans to see so well there's, there's, there's no coherent plan here in in terms of I mean, it doesn't do you get the impression that Chelsea players who are out there believe in the approach that, that they're being told to, to go and implement or is it just a case of the fact that it's just really lacking that ruthlessness in both boxes I think there's a there's a mix of it all um, we certainly are lacking ruthlessness and yesterday's game sort of summed it up um, the two goals we conceded especially the first one we conceded is just an utter mess at the back which again you know doesn't happen if you're playing well at something which is sort of it's a freak mistake which obviously gets emphasised on massively because we've gone and just lost 2-0 to Aston Villa and then if you look at the chances we've created it's like how on earth haven't we scored um, but again it's sort of a thing which has reoccurred under Potter even at his time at Brighton they're like I don't want to go into XG too much and I don't know too much about the stats and everything but that was a theme of Brian where he's creating so many chances and they just couldn't finish and it seems to be happening a similar thing here now I don't know whether that's because just the strikers haven't been good enough at the respective clubs and he's just unlucky or there is something generally in that I'm not too sure um so that's something and then yeah you were saying it was it you sort of talked about um you don't know what direction Klopp was going in Liverpool the season and I've sort of had that feeling in the last sort of well since Potter's been here actually like this there seems to be a little bit of a not miscommunication, but if you, I think we actually discussed this on the last podcast, but if you look at sort of Todd Bowley's signings, 
And the reason he signed Graham Potter and sat Thomas Tuchel is because he was thinking about the future. He was thinking about the long term. But if you look at Graham Potter's sort of decisions and the sort of lineups he's put out this season, there's not really much has shown that he's thinking about the long term uh, other than him not being too worried because he's, you know, he's not too bothered about getting sacked in the short term because he doesn't think it was happened. That's definitely the feeling we got earlier on. The pressure was on in the last few games and he sort of turned it up, if I can say. Um, but, like, I'm what I'm referring to is the fact that Carney Chukwemeka was a 20 mil signing from Aston Villa. Brilliant signing. And I think he's a really talented player, got a massive future in Premier League football, and he's just not seen the pitch in the last five, ten games. Lewis was broken into the team whilst Ben Chilwell was out. Yeah, okay. If Chilwell comes out, he's actually done very, very well since he's returned from injury. It still doesn't mean Lewis Hall needs to get chucked out if you're going to think about the long term. Things like, okay, if Kai Havertz doesn't have a good game, why aren't we seeing Datro Fofana just get a few minutes here and there in a small cameo? Um, why aren't we seeing Hutchinson from the 21s move up? Why are we seeing Ziyech play? Why are we seeing Pulisic play? Players who have sort of, not, I don't want to say let down managers, but haven't performed consistently in the last three to four years, almost giving they, for some reason, getting another chance. They're, for some reason, getting priority over academy players and things like that and that was acceptable in the last few years because we understood the pressure managers were under we understood they were thinking short term but the whole reason Potter was signed was that we would have a project or long-term manager but we sort of haven't really felt that direction other than a few a few starts here and there for the whistle and defensively I mean you mentioned some of the goals uh, against Aston Villa being real real mess and uh, I think you know, much is known about the the trials and tribulations that Kepper has had during his time at Chelsea mm. in terms of, sort of the highs and the lows that he's had uh, but in terms of the defense and um what you point the or what you'd point the issue to there in terms of I mean, it looks as though I mean that there are leaders there in that defense in terms of sort mm. of your big characters who've who've not just big characters excellent defenders who have been leaders at their former clubs and throughout their career and it's um, strange to see I mean again lack of confidence can really permeate everything but what do you sort of point the defensive fragility down to because to, if I'm honest one thing I was expecting from Potter was maybe Chelsea to struggle when it came to the attacking side and, and, and that taking a while to settle but yeah, adopting a possession heavy style of, of of football and actually being relatively secure at the back given the players that they have right so mm. are, 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 is is that naive or I mean are, are players underperforming or are there sort of key absences no I think you're right um, if you look at sort of the defence we have you'd be like that is a very very good defence and if you spoke to me like maybe five games ago, I'd say, yeah, we're defending really well. We just can't create chances. And then if you look at it in the last few games, it's been the opposite. We're creating a lot of chances, albeit not finishing them, but we're defending really poorly. Um, but yeah, like if you look at our defense, you, if you look, I think the problem sort of lie in a couple of things. One thing being that players have come in and out of injury, namely Reese James and Wesley Fofana, and they just haven't really been able to stay fit and start five games together in a row. Um, so we've lacked a bit of team cohesion there. Um, he's constantly chopping and changing the left centre-back, 
um, whether that's Mark Cuccarella or Badia Chile, Chilwa sort of cemented a spot left wing back. Middle centre back, it was pretty much Thiago Silva until he got six week injury and it's pretty much been Koulibaly since, but that's just completely left Trevor Chalabra out of the equation for no reason because he was very good under Potter at the beginning. He's been very good for us in the last sort of almost two seasons now. And it's a brilliant asset to have. And he's, I'm guessing now, someone who's going to leave in the summer. Um, but back to your defence question. Like, yeah, if you look at the back at five on paper, a Ben Chilwell, Badia Shile, Thiago Silva, Wesley Fofana, Reece James back five is one of the best back fives in Europe. But it just we, it hasn't worked out that way, whether that's, you know, as I said, due to injuries and people coming in and out and a lot of other factors. I think another big thing when I look at defence is sort of the midfield in front of them. We've been going on it for about five seasons now and we still don't have a defensive midfielder and Kante's only just come back from injury. You know, Potter Potter gave Kante his first minutes under him um, yesterday and he got a good 20-30 way. He looks quite sharp. Um, but... Enzo's sort of a different profile. He's a much, you know, more forward thinking. And the same with Kovacic. Um, Sakari has sort of found his way out of squads and teams completely, despite being that more defensive profile. So maybe you could sort of whack him in front of the defense and you get a bit more protection. But, um, but yeah, in the, in the last few games, we, we have looked shaky at the back and I think there's a bunch of reasons for that. Yeah, I appreciate the sort of uh, Kante coming back to full fitness thing uh, ahead, of, ahead of a Liverpool game. And we spoke about that <laughs> yes. last time. I know he's yeah. had less of an influence in, uh, on Chelsea recently, but uh, that was always the kryptonite. Oh, great. Yeah, he's uh, <laughs> he's said to be there. In, in fact, I mean, just, just looking at Chelsea's midfield, I, mean, I think whatever midfield Chelsea put out is going to be stronger than than the um, than the Liverpool midfield will be that day. It's just the quality in different positions is completely night and day. So I don't think there's going to be much of an issue there. But in terms of uh, the the way in which Potter has looked to address the the lack of attacking or, or the lack of t- cutting edge in the final third, what are some of the sort of tactics he's employed? I mean, there is a wealth of sort of talents to to be to be using. Yao Felix, Kai Havertz, whilst Mudrik you mentioned struggling for confidence a little bit. Raheem Sterling, who seems to be falling in and out of favour. Um, how how has he gone about trying to approach you know, making Chelsea a bit more threatening? The one thing is, I don't know. And I think that is sort of a situation where I think a lot of people's arguments so far, which I, I'm not sure if I like agree with, but I can certainly certainly see where they're coming from in that sort of the chances we've created in the last, you know, the big ones in the last five, ten games have been all through individual qualities. So, you know, Jao Felix doing something magical or something like that rather than, a coach, what's something which comes across as a coach sort of panel play? I think we got a bit of that against Leicester um, when we won three when we won three one away. But even in that game, we were two one up. Very lucky not to go two two. We got the third on on you know on a, on a nice counter attack break. But if you know people after the Everton game when we were two one up and we sort of bottled it and went on to draw two two in the dying minutes. People were saying, well, that was, we were very close for that happening in the Leicester game. Um, we just got a bit away with it then, and it, it, it's a good point. Um, so can I see any patterns in attack? I mean, not really, but again, do do we really need to? Like, obviously, you do want some coaching, and obviously, you don't want to just let the front – you don't want to tell the front three, just go out there and do your thing, but 
you'd expect, you know, crosses coming in from Reese James is one of the best crosses in the world. Um, ben, Chil- ben Chilwell is an absolute attacking threat. Yeah, sometimes his end product is a bit 50-50 consistently, but he sort of is constantly a threat. He links up with players incredibly and is, you know, a huge, huge player in our system. Um, and then you look at the front three, you've got Felix, you've got Kai Havertz, who's starting well, who's played well and as he's moved out of the striker, or he's sort of moved into this 10 and inside forward thingy, and he's looked much, much better there. Um, and then it's the matter of the third spot, and Raheem Sterling or um, Madueke or Mudrick, and you'd, you'd expect that team to create chances and score goals. So have we seen much from Potter in that sense? No, probably not. Um but we have created chances. We just haven't been able to tuck them away. So I think at the moment it's it's more important for Potter to make sure he gets the defence sorted out. And I would back the individual quality of our midfield and attack to sort of get grind us through a few results um, in terms of scoring goals from attacking phases. And then hopefully I don't know if Potter gets a preseason, he can he can sort of implement his more his his style of football, which we know scored goals, mm. especially at Brighton. Maybe not through the striker, maybe they underperformed actually, but they scored goals and created big big chances on a regular basis. Yeah, it's interesting to see. I mean, I'm guessing like his, his thinking is still somewhat muddled given the the array of options he's got, and none of them necessarily clicking um, just yet. And I, I saw some comments from him as well around you know not not completely ruling out a return uh, to to Chelsea's um, playing squad for for Romelu Lukaku as well. Uh, I mean, naturally, no manager is going to say it any different, of course, you know, whilst the player is still on your books. But I thought that was interesting as well, because of course that points to a completely different style of approach as well. If you wanted to get the best out of out of Lukaku, who we know can produce goals when you sort of play a, a specific way, um, but yeah, that, that to me just suggests that he's still yes, still sort of trying to put the, pe- the pieces together to see what works best of the new signings in January. Um, of which there were a number of them, obviously, Fafana, Gusto, Santos, Yao Felix comes in on loan, doesn't he? Maduake, Badia, Shelie, um, Mudrik, and of course the big one, Enzo Fernandez. Um, I'm guessing you've seen little, uh, little bits of all of them actually, g- given the way in which the, the signings seem to have been integrated so far. A couple of them are more ever present than, than others. Um, it, it's looked to me from the outside in that Enzo Fernandez has, has his, his quality has sort of shone through. But I'm interested to sort of see what you think of the signings that came in in, in January and who's impressed you so far. Again, all, all very young. Hello, I'm here to annoy you. I'm here to annoy you into listening to more of me and more of others on EPL Index. We don't just have the Anfield Index stuff. We've got EPL Index as well, which covers the entirety of the Premier League. And we have three podcasts and a whole bunch of really good writing on EPLindex.com. The podcasts are my own two-footed podcast, which is every day at 4 p.m., Monday through Friday, covering the whole league. We have a Tad Predictable hosted by Tadiwa. You know Tadiwa. He does Anfield Index. He presents a Tad Predictable before every Premier League match week. And then Kevin DeVries and his crew on the EPL roundtable there every week after the Premier League match week. So make sure you listen to everything we're doing on EPL Index and follow us there on Twitter 
at EPL Index. Thank you. Bye-bye. Yeah, Enzo has been a complete breath of fresh air and pretty much our only positive in the last games, even when there have been losses. And I'm sure he is a massive reason as to why Chelsea fans are staying sane and will do in the next 10, 15 games remaining of the season. Um, he's been, yeah, he's just been so good, both defensively and offensively. offensively and then you remember he's 21, 22. And you're like, you start thanking him because you're like, why on earth did you agree to join us in January when we were in a mess and you could have just joined another big club in the summer? But hey, I'm not complaining at all. So that, yeah, Enzo's been exceptional. Um, and then, yeah, the other signings, I think the next sort of most positive shown most of what he can do has been Badia Shire at left centre back um, and he's only really made one error which I don't even think led to a goal and that's the one which sort of comes to mind um, other than that he's very good in the air very good on the ball um, defends well clearly an, a nice character in the dressing room to have and we picked him up for quite cheap um, so I think he's he's really really impressed me and I don't want to say I had my doubts about him. I actually watched him quite a few times um, and he did always impress me. I just didn't agree with the signing because we have Levi Colwell out on loan at Brighton doing incredible things in the same position. So I didn't really see much need, especially if you're just going to play Kukurella. Um But if you can move on Kulabali and Kukurella in the summer, you're looking at Colwell and Badiashile taking up two spots for centre-backs and then potentially doing really, really well together. Um, and sort of pushing each other as well. So that's, yeah, that's a signing I've been really happy with. And then I think naturally I'm going to go towards the forwards and like Nani, Madweke, Mudrik, again, they, they they both really haven't had enough game time for them to show what they can do. Um, I think both have been okay in the game time they've received so far. Nani hasn't had too much like starts-wise. Um, he's been more of an impact player from the bench. You can tell the dribbling quality is there. You can tell he's a confident guy. He's going to beat his man. Um, it's just can he? Can he? he hasn't really been able to get that end product yet. Mudrick, I mean that the the best we've seen from him has been that twenty thirty minute cameo against you mm. guys. Um, and against Milner, I, I, I do want to point that out. There was, yeah, there was James. No. Not to do him down, but like I, I just remember lots of the people sort of talking about uh, is like a searing hot cameo and I was like yeah it is but what's against a man who's struggling to run <laughs> yeah it was yeah and there was a lot of space um mm. and he hasn't had that space since but you know what he that that cameo itself was enough to show me like okay there is a player in there we haven't seen that player since um and then yeah honestly Jao Felix is a is a really really interesting one um because he's sort of not split the fan base, but he kind of has in the sense that I think everyone recognises the ability is there. And, like, you, he is sort of the only guy trying to create something for us. But so far, like, the end product, it's, like, it's been very, very inconsistent. And I, that's crazy to say it because, like, he has got some important goals and assists for us, actually. Um... But you're like, the thing which sort of he's, well, the justification for him sort of replacing Mason Mount and sort of like you spending 70, 80 million on him in the summer and selling Mount for 50, 60, um, it's going to be that Felix is a level above Mason. He's a level above him in end product when he isn't. 
and he also certainly isn't a level above off the ball than Mason. Um, mm. So I know I don't want to talk about Mason too much when I'm talking about Zhao because I think Zhao, they're different players in that sense and Zhao is a lot more like creative. He, he tries to be at least and you're obviously going to lose it the more you try. Um, but I think it's an it's an interesting discussion to have actually in whether Todd will try and go for him in the summer. Yeah, this does sound as though the the noises his camp are making is that he does he doesn't want to leave Atletico Madrid. Mm-hmm. I do I do think he's 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 a player that I'd I'd love to see sort of thrive somewhere else. Um, in terms of his, there's clearly tons of ability there. Maybe it's just maybe the development sort of stunted a little bit, having played the very particular style of football over the past couple mm-hmm. of seasons. But yeah, there's a ton of ability there, and sometimes you just. You do, there's, there's these small sort of moments or cameos in games that I've seen anyway where you just go, oh right, this guy is yeah. talent wise is leagues above like the people around him, and then suddenly it just won't it won't quite click when he goes for the final final ball yeah. or looks to finish off a chance. But you you, you bring up Mason out then, I think it's it's a natural transition to sort of talk about him. And I, I saw that there was some quotes that come out and Potter saying it's a really complicated situation, Mason Mount. And of course, there's loads of rumours around uh, the, the number of clubs interested in Mason Mount and Liverpool are seemingly one of those as well. Uh, could sort of see where he would fit in in terms of the right side of date. Henderson's um, sort of long been um, struggling in that role. So, yeah, a younger, fitter, more creative um, option in that role s- sort of would make sense. Uh, and I wasn't surprised to hear what you said there as well about there's the goals and the creative side of his game, but I think not many people probably appreciate the off-the-ball work, which I, I, I certainly didn't until I, I sort of have been taking a bit of a closer look there. And there is a lot of off-the-ball work that the guy gets through. Why do you think, I mean, like, I mean, if, if it's just a straight choice between like Potter considering or Bowley considering Felix to be the, the more talented option, um, Mount seemed to be a real strong force in this Chelsea side for a um, couple of years at least anyway. And I'm, I'm surprised where things have ended up for him. Um, if, if I had to put you on the spot now to, to sort of say what you think his future will hold, I mean, where where are Chelsea fans thinking he'll he'll end up? I think oh, it's it's really interesting. Actually, like it's generally so so hard to tell because you've got this thing where like okay, it looks like contract negotiations are quite far apart still, and it's been made very very clear that if he doesn't sign the contract, he is going to be sold this summer. Um, but then the other side of you is like okay, this is a guy who is in my opinion, rightfully asking for decently high wages. Mm. Um, and is he going to get that at another club? I don't know. And that's the thing, I think, which... Are there any rumours about sort of what what those wa- um, what those wages are? Or? Well, I imagine... Well, I imagine it's something close to Reese's contract because I'm sure Mason feels like he deserves mm. something similar. And what was that, and sorry? Reese's is at... Well, reportedly around 250k a week. Ah, okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's exa- yeah. there've been there've been some very I think premature reports saying Mason wants 300. I don't think that's true at all. Um, and there's been a few sort of more reliable reports saying there's other mm. things in it. Obviously, wages are a thing, but it's more to do with length of deal. Yeah. Um, He's not getting 300 grand a week at Liverpool. No, so like I said, exactly. Say, right? That's no. not going to happen. No, and I think a 250 may even be a push at Liverpool in that sense. So I think 
the club are maybe thinking they're sort of going to play hard in that sense and like they're going to gamble on him not having much of an option as he thinks he may do in the summer and he sort of settles and agrees um i i i still think deep down he signs the contract but if if potter was to stay and wasn't able to get mount ticking in a system and the club seemed heavy on signing felix i can certainly see him leaving the summer i don't know where to and i think it would it would hurt me it would hurt me a lot seeing him play for another premier league club this is a boy i've Mm. watched since he was 17 so it's been seven years now and Look, he's he's been a massive player for us in the last three to four years. But you know, he also if he doesn't want to if he doesn't want to stay, he deserves that chance to go elsewhere and thrive. So yeah, yeah it's going to be very interesting to see what happens with him. It is an interesting one. I think I, I, I was making a point earlier today, actually, just speaking, speaking to a few Liverpool fans around uh, Liverpool being linked with a whole bunch of different midfielders. Obviously, the Bellingham one that just keeps on going, and um, a couple of others as well. Mount is 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 one of them. I think I saw, I saw some Conor Gallagher links. Yeah. Uh, I, I saw some uh, some other links links as well, and it's kind of interesting because. I, I do think Liverpool have to sign three three midfielders at least, to be honest, this summer. Um, in terms of the roles they need to replace, the players they need to replace in that midfield, and one of them is yeah, the right side of the eight, whatever. In terms of sort of the the, the more creative um, member of that of that three that we've seen uh, over the past few years, who's generally given a bit more license to to roam, but still expected to do all the off the ball work as well. And yeah, you can sort of think about. Like, to me, on on paper, Mason Mount makes sense in 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 that role in terms of I think he can do all those things. Um, Gallagher's an interesting one because I don't really see exactly that he's proven himself to have a, a solid position just yet. Not certainly not one that a Liverpool play. And there doesn't, there doesn't seem to be any links. But from, I think there's a Bellingham one, but there doesn't seem to be any links to players that will stop the issue of uh, players just running through our midfield, uh, which is something that I, I am hoping that we'll see uh, a link to, to be honest, because um, uh, uh, 10 minutes into yesterday's game, watching Kevin uh, De Bruyne just uh, stroll through our midfield un- untracked, like sort of foot- told me where that game was was going, to be honest. And I think, yeah, Mount and Gallagher and Bellingham, and they're all thoroughly talented players, but I don't necessarily think defensive mm. is the is the main point of their game. So that's kind of interesting. And Chelsea in a situation where Mount potentially could potentially leave, Kovacic's contract's also up, I believe, in the in the summer, is it? Or maybe like next mm-hmm. season it needs to be needs to be renewed as well. There is the potential there that you're looking at. Like trying to build a new midfield unit, even if it's of, of players who are, who, are, who are still at the club, because there is a lot of talent there. But um, it is a it is an interesting one, and you, you uh, in terms of players that have been relied upon heavily since Potter's come in, and uh, who, who has it been that he's tended to, to turn to when um, he's 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 been trying to get a result? I mean, are, are there players that have come out from the cold and whilst Potter's uh, been managing? Ooh, I don't know. I think I think the players sort of Potter's turned to when sort of. Needed has been the likes of Reese, um, Reese James, the right wing back, and things like that. But it it's a good point you mentioned because the player who every manager has turned to in the last three years on the club, um, Thomas Tuchel and Frank Lampard, namely when things are sort of going wrong, and the man who has bailed them out on many many occasions has been Mason Mount, right. and Graham Potter has sort of I don't know. 
Mason has had his sort of niggling injuries in the last month, and that's fine. And he absolutely needed a, a break, which he got. But yesterday, he Mason was warming up the whole of the second half and didn't even touch the pitch. And this is a guy who, under Lampard, was well under. Well, he got twenty. He got ten goals and ten assists in one season. Sorry, literally last season, he literally got that 10 goals and 10 assists in the Premier League itself. He was a massive player in Frank's first season. Um, and he was, his best football came in the six months or when Tuchel arrived two seasons ago. Um, so it's, it's fascinating that Potter didn't feel the need to sub him on yesterday. And I don't know whether that's just protecting him, whether he's saving him for Liverpool on Tuesday. But again, I can't see Mason starting the game on Tuesday. So then you start to wonder, wow, he maybe he, I don't want to say fallen out or fallen out of favour and things like that. But like maybe it just generally doesn't fit the system at the moment. And he's not in Potter's plans and isn't seen as that guy, which I think... Is weird because yes, okay, Mason has been on awfully disgusting form this season and hasn't played well even under Potter. But you know your reliable players turn up when you need them, and I think he would have been a better sub than some of the subs which were made. So it's it's very interesting that he hasn't turned to Mason to be that guy who's bailed him out. But maybe maybe that can change in the next few games. I don't need a VPN. I've got nothing to hide. <laughs> this is what I used to tell myself before I hooked up with LibertyShield.com. Not only is my home internet now fully encrypted, but I can now access all the websites I want, whenever I want, and do so from absolutely anywhere. As a Liverpool fan, I love to know I can now watch every match, regardless of whether it's on UK TV or not. My Liberty Shield VPN Make sure nothing is blocked and guarantees me super fast streaming speed throughout that match. You can get connected right now with their software package, which includes a 48-hour no-obligation free trial and instant access to their apps for Apple, Android, Fire TV, PC, Mac and Android TV. Or go a step further like I have and get one of their pre-configured VPN routers. These small but powerful devices allow you to easily connect every device in your home to VPN, making it the perfect solution for smart TVs, mag boxes and games consoles. Visit libertyshield.com today and use coupon code AIVPN25 to get 25% off at checkout. Mm. And of course, there are next few games, there are, there are some tough ones. I mean, obviously the Liverpool game next and then there's a... Uh, I mean, I have to say, absolutely delighted someone else has to deal with Real Madrid. Uh, I can't tell you how uh, happy I am. I don't, I don't want to see them again for a, for a long time. Um, there's a trip to, oh, there's a, there's a game against Brighton. Um, then there's um, the, the rescheduled United game, I believe, as well as Arsenal and then Brentford. That, 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 none of those are easy games at all. I mean, they're all tough. They're all challenging, even at the best of times. So I think it's going to be a real pivotal run here. But uh, I was talking right at the start, wasn't I, about sort of the the sort of the stats of where Chelsea currently are at, and the fact that they've, they've most Chelsea most games Chelsea have ever lost in a season, or at least this century, was is is, is twelve, uh, and that looks looks in jeopardy to be honest, given sort of the how tough some of the fixtures are. Mm. Um, 
I, I was at that point around you when we spoke last time. You did say that from everything you could hear that you know, Todd Bowley is you know, on side in terms of Potter, and you know, he, he was his man, and a similar vision for where he wanted to take the club. Five year deal that he signed. Um, it, it doesn't sound to me like the fans are you know, at the stage they were at for um, Sari, for example, you know, towards the end, or like um, Benitez, for example, like where it got you know, quite toxic and things like that. Um, but you, you said to me earlier on, you think he'll, he'll he'll get the next couple of games. Do you think that's really it? Do, do, do you think that he maybe has until what the Real Madrid game um, in in terms of sort of where where patience is at currently? I think, look, if the, the the Premier League season is over for us, and I don't want to say Todd's ignoring that because you shouldn't, but I I think there's definitely the Champions League yeah. in eye, and not in the fact that okay we can go on and win this competition, but okay there's clearly something to fight for there. Let's see how Potter and the players do in those games. And why so, do you think that's actually gone differently? Because I mean, from what I've seen in the Champions League performances, there has been sort of a a freeness that hasn't been there in the league. Just, mm. just think it's because it's just a you know it's a, a chance to th- forget about the league for a little bit and cup competitions. You know, teams that are even teams that are incomplete can do well in in cup competitions. Yeah, I I, I think it is that. I think it's a it's a chance to look away the league. There is something to fight for. Um, sort of the squad sort of selection isn't as much of an issue for him or hasn't been because we've had quite a few injuries at the time and sort of the players only a certain amount can be registered and the players who aren't registered, you know, they sort of have to face that already. Um, so, yeah, I think the Champions League is that feeling of, okay, there's something to fight for. It's a cup competition. There's going to be a bit more space against this European teams. Um, and I think when everyone thinks of like Potter and the Champions League, so far, at least as a Chelsea fan, you think of that Dortmund game and it looked like we were in utter crisis, but sort of, a win against Leeds I think it was and then you know one of the best nights at Stamford Bridge we've had in a long long while has been that win against Dortmund um, which sent us through into the quarters um, and honestly if you if you asked a Chelsea fan before the Everton draw they I would don't want to say they were confident about the Real Madrid games, games but they would have said okay that that generally is a chance we can go into the semis because we've always played very, very well against Real Madrid, actually. Um, if you, well, we beat them twice in the, in the, in the, the run to us win the Champions League and last season when we faced them twice as well. Um, well, it was almost one of the greatest comebacks we've ever done when we sort of went, what was it? Yeah, we went 4-3 up on aggregate and we just, just couldn't get it over the line at the end. Um, but it's that feeling I think has definitely gone. I think seeing Real Madrid win whatever six nil today didn't make it much better. And I think that's from the you you mentioned Sari and the fans. I don't think we're there yet, but yesterday was toxic. Um it's been toxic online for a long while and certainly yesterday didn't help. But I think yesterday in the stadium the first sort of time there was a chance of you don't know what you're doing and you, people people just sort of joining in with the Villa fans and saying you're getting sacked in the morning and things like that. I think 
a bad loss versus Liverpool, I think that will send the fans over. I can't see much more turning back for Potter mm-hmm. if it gets ugly against Liverpool. Yeah, and I think it's um, I'm not surprised. So the European adventure is 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 that sort of breath of fresh air. Has been the case for Liverpool many times in the past as well, and it is it is a chance just to clear clear your mind and focus on something else. But yeah, I think as you said, they're rounded a formidable opposition certainly in this competition. Uh, even when they're not at their best, and they're just like zombies, just keep on moving forward. And don't seem to be able to really inflict too much panic on them. Um, doesn't matter what you do, seemingly. <laughs> not to make it too sort of down, down the dumps, but I'm, mm-hmm. perhaps I'm still bitter from the from the 5-2 at, uh, at Anfield. But I think you're right. I think a, a, a difficult result on uh, well, next week will, would probably make it, um, yeah, untenable, you'd imagine. But I, I don't think Liverpool are necessarily in the, in the highest um, sort of... Um, Form of confidence that there would be. I mean, obviously humbled against Manchester City, um, in in a way that I, I, I mean, watching it, I, I wasn't too doom and gloom about. Oh, you know, there's a chasm between the two sides. There's a midfield between the two sides. There's a midfield that has not been addressed for years. Yeah. Um, I think if you had a, a, a fully reinforced midfield, Liverpool are certainly competitive in that game. Not what it was like yesterday for sure, but. Fair to say, Liverpool are in, a, in are in a bad way. How do you imagine he's going to approach this? Then it's a home game. Yeah, it's yeah, it's going to be um, one where you imagine the atmosphere is going to be fairly raucous. A chance to you equally sort of, sort of the the chance of a defeat would be sort of disastrous. You'd imagine, but the the, the chance of a win there, that, 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 that the opportunity for a win, a big home win like that against um, Liverpool under the lights, you imagine would be a real real big um, boost for Potter. How, how do you imagine he's going to approach it? I think I'd expect him to sort of go back to his, somewhat, I don't want to say normal method because I don't even know what that is. But sort of, yeah, sort of playing as trusted players in your bad issue. Like hopefully Fafana will be back. Hopefully Sterling will be back. Um, there's a good chance I think you see Mount now get minutes. Um, and and yeah, I think the well, Chelsea Liverpool games always tend to be quite high energy. Um, and this, I know, I know at Stamford Bridge under the lights, as you said, it's sort of, it's it's always a massive occasion. Um, so it's it's going to be very interesting to see can he really pump up the players because sort of the last time we had this feeling of oh a a win could do us really really good here and it's desperately needed was that game against Dortmund um, under the lights on a Tuesday night at Stamford Bridge um, but the difference then was that at that time we had just beaten Leeds 1-0 although it wasn't our best performance you know obviously a lot of confidence does come from a victory it's going to be interesting to see now we've just gone and lost 2-0 to Aston Villa Can how is he going to get those players pumped up for a Premier League game which overall the, the players clearly do not really give that much of a crap about because the season is over in that sense um, so at the moment the players in the Premier League are literally just fighting for their place in the lineup, their place in the squad their place at the club their sort of place under Potter if he is going to stay 
And I have to say that's one thing which sort of is the I think has been the main difference compared to the last few seasons. Sort of when it's gone wrong, players have sort of flipped because they know the mantra's about to get sacked. But Todd's clearly been very clear that I'm willing to get part of time, and that sort of kept the players in place so far. And we haven't seen as much player power, for example. Um, but yeah, Tuesday night, I think he's just got to get his players up for it and hope there's a, there's a bit more quality and ruthlessness. Mm, absolutely, but yeah, I think it's two clubs and two fan bases who currently not not anywhere near where they want to be, and I think it's going to be an interesting one to see just how high stakes it feels on Tuesday actually I think Liverpool can't afford another defeat uh, and, and especially following on from such a humbling day against Manchester City so it's going to be interesting to see sort of how Klopp approaches that one as well but anyway Pa thanks thanks so much for, for coming on again and um, you know, going through some of that stuff that isn't the most pleasant to talk about at the moment in terms of sort of the football that uh, both our sides are, are playing but you yeah, really appreciate all the insight No thank you very much I really appreciate it and to all those who've been listening in to, to, to Rival Recon here on uh, Anfield Index Pro, you, you will know, of course, that, uh, yeah, not, not the best of times, uh, but the games are coming very thick and fast at the moment. And it's quite a nice run of three that we find ourselves with. City, obviously, uh, yesterday, Chelsea on Tuesday, and there'll be another Rival Recon ahead of uh, the home game uh, against Arsenal uh, on Sunday, the 9th of April. Uh, so a chance there to still have an influence on, on the title race, not in the way we usually would imagine, but uh, I think yeah, it's going to be one where I can imagine the the family WhatsApp group is going to be particularly loud. So do do check in um, with us uh, for another episode of, of Rival Recon ahead of that game against Arsenal. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds, and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.